Hello, and welcome to our extraordinary podcast. I'm Clara. And I'm Danny. And today we're talking about episode 201, Zoe's Extraordinary Return, written by Austin Winsberg and directed by John Terleski. Before we dive in, why don't you read us the episode summary, Danny? The description listed on IMDb is a little sparse, as these things often are. It says, Zoe returns to the world after an extended time away and discovers that a lot has changed at work and in her personal life in her absence. No shit. <laughs> I did think that three weeks was kind of a long time to stay away. It was three weeks, right? I, I don't think three weeks is a long time to stay away after your parent dies. I don't know. I mean, like, I don't personally think it's a long time. Like, I think that's proper, but in the American work world. <laughs> because hashtag capitalism? Yeah, you. it would be very rare that anyone would be allowed that. I think it's more, con- I mean, working in the tech industry, right, like, there tend to be better benefits around that. But you're definitely right that, like, most folks who do not have that kind of advantage are not going to be able to get that time. Mm-hmm. Which sort of, I mean, we'll get we'll get into that, all of that, and we'll get into, like, the weirdness of, like, having to work while you're grieving um, soon. But first, I just want to get your overall thoughts on this episode. So, yeah, what'd you think, Danny? I loved this return episode. It was very strong. Um, it had, I feel like, just enough emotional gut punches. Hmm. I don't know. It was just, like, it was, like, a really good blend of, like, bringing us back into the headspace of all these different characters and the emotional like arc of it as well as like it still remained incredibly funny Mm -hmm. which the show does very well yeah it's it's very entertaining while also dealing with some really heavy stuff which is our thing Uh exactly (laughs) um you and i talked Earlier this week, I really liked it too, and you and I talked earlier this week about our hopes for season two in our little Mm -hmm. trailer episode that will hopefully go up tomorrow. And already, I think we've had a lot of them realized in this episode. So, like, you wanted to explore more of the relationships in season two, which uh, they did not waste any time in that. Nope. And I mentioned wanting to see Zoe's family try to navigate communication after his death and, like, see how they see how they negotiated that. And already we've gotten, like, bits of each of those things, mm-hmm. um, seen some of those challenges. And also, while we don't yet know for sure that Harvey Guillen's character, George, is gay, I have a feeling you might get your more queer wish granted uh, with him and some other things. I, mean, I was secretly hoping already that he would have a thing with Tobin. Mm, I would appreciate that. I mean, they definitely... You, you are a big fan of enemies to lovers, so... I sure am. <laughs> um, I, I liked all those things, too, and I like that, like, you know, we did get some answers kind of, like, right off the bat, mm-hmm. things that we were looking forward to, and I, I noticed that a lot of people have been up to series regular in the second season, mm-hmm. so I think we'll be seeing a lot more of those characters, like, even Tobin and Leaf. Good. The Their respective actors have been up, same with... um. The brother and his wife. Mm, so yeah. we'll definitely be seeing a lot more of everyone, which I think we'll get more relationship stuff. Yeah. For sure. You had also mentioned being curious about what Peter Gallagher's role would be in this season, given the, that his character, Mitch, is, is now dead. And I think the video testimonials that we saw in this episode are, are hints to one way they might be doing that. Like you had mentioned flashbacks, but what I really appreciated about them doing the testimonials was that it, it felt very organic. Like, 
Well, that's one thing about flashbacks is they can sort of like take you out of the primary experience or out of the like the character's perspective. Uh-huh. And doing it as those testimonials still allowed us to see it, see it how Zoe's seeing it and how David's seeing it and how Maggie's seeing it. So I don't know how long they can pull off like organic insertions of Peter Gallagher like that. But Yeah, I actually read a like an interview with the creator saying that he really doesn't wish to bring him in as like a ghost-like figure or anything Mm, yeah past like what he did last season because there's already too much of like a magic element he's like i don't think people could buy Mm. another one you know although you could totally relate that you could totally relate it to her psyche but it is interesting yeah i mean it's an interesting point that he doesn't want to do it because he doesn't want it to be magical I, i can see other reasons not to do it too which is that like if you really want to deal with her grief over him being gone, then he kind of has to be gone, mm-hmm. right? Like, there can only be so much intrusion from him as a, like, specter. There has to be some grounding in reality in that particular element. Yeah. So then, of course, the other, like, big thing that I think is just sort of part of my overview is the musical numbers, right? Like, it's a musical show, and there are musical numbers. And the ones in this one are definitely epic. Um, So deep dive? Yeah, let's do it. All right. The main theme of this episode is, I think, best described by the last heart song. The sort of transition from grieving back to living and to carrying on. Mm Mm-hmm. There's a lot of different plot points, but there's sort of five main arcs that I I think we should cover. One, Zoe returning to work and to life. Mm -hmm. Two, George trying to push through his hazing in his new workplace, but also just like introducing him as a character. Three, Mo, Max, and Simon's newfound friendship and, you know, the Mo and Max venture that we get a hint of. Four, the kiss between Zoe and Max and that relationship. And five, the testimonials and the way that Zoe, Maggie, David, and Emily move forward as a family. So let's start with that first one, Zoe returning to work and reconnecting with her friends. I felt like the show did a good job of illustrating how disconnected from our everyday life and our like work ambitions can be from the emotional experience of grieving. Like I remember my grandmother died when I was like a week or two into my first like big kid job. So I felt like I really felt like I had to show up and to like push through and all of those things. But I was so discombobulated that I left my laptop at home and didn't realize until I had already driven an hour to work. And like, I feel like that's something that you can probably relate to, right? I mean, you were working when your grandfather died. Yeah, I was working when my grandfather died, and I had to go home probably about halfway through my shift. I just, I couldn't be there, but for me, it's like, even every year, like, on the anniversary of his death, it's hard for me to work. Yeah, and I mean, I think that makes a lot of sense, but it's kind of like what you were saying about, like, American capitalism doesn't really make room, doesn't really make room for that kind of emotional experience, right? Like, we don't get the chance to properly grieve and to like keep grieving because I mean, grief is not just like a one-time thing. (laughs) I mean, yeah. Like I literally only got three days of bereavement pay. Yeah. That's it. So it's like, if you want to take more time, feel free, but you're not going to get paid for it. Yeah. Yeah. So, which of course is like not, that's not workable, right? Like that forces you into a position where, yeah, you do have to work because you got to pay for rent and other bills. Mm Mm-hmm. 
And of course, like, I was also thinking about this in the context of, like, two days ago, there was a coup attempt, (laughs) and, like, all of America was still working. I don't know if you saw this tweet. There was, like, this tweet going around where somebody was like, um, my friend just asked me, or my coworker just asked me if we were still supposed to work through a coup, and it's the most American thing I've ever heard. It's quite American. Yeah. I mean, we're a fucking laughing joke already to the rest of the world, but I think it's much worse now. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, there is this like weird expectation that you keep your work separate from the rest of your life and vice versa. And it breaks down on a personal level when there is something big going on. Like you might be at work, but there's no way that you're just in that headspace. So I don't know. I was kind of curious how you felt about that and the way that they handled it. I mean, first of all, the idea that you can actually keep your personal life completely separate from work is just asinine. Um, (laughs) (laughs) But I, I actually like the way that they handled that story, like from her, like kind of like having to force herself to leave and how she like has a breakdown at some point. And, and it made me, I really liked how, Joan kind of was like, okay, I pushed a little too hard and she apologized for it. Like, I wish more workplaces would be like that, but... Well, and I kind of wondered if she would have done that if they didn't have a personal relationship Mm -hmm. that they developed over the last year. Like, would she have done that with Tobin? Probably not, but I'm not sure. Like, she does seem like she has a caring side for sure. But yeah, she does have a personal relationship with Zoe. So it's hard to say. And her asking in the first place, right? Like, that is sort of reflecting the other part of her that is just, like, get things done, go, go, go. Yeah. (laughs) All business all the time. And while we're on it, I just want to mention how sad I am that Lauren Graham will no longer be on the show. Do we know that? Is that – did you read that or – Yeah. She tweeted about it too. Oh. She was filming another show that ended up being pushed back due to COVID. Oh. Um, and so because of that, like, she was unable to, well, basically it was a Disney Plus show, so I'm pretty sure Disney's contract would always (laughs) trump anyone else's, so. That's a bummer. Unfortunately, yeah, she's, like, gone, gone. Originally, they were, they always planned on giving Zoe the promotion, but they went about it in a different way. That's a bit of a bummer, yeah. I mean, I've enjoyed seeing Lauren Graham on that. Yeah, yeah. And I mean, obviously, we're both big Gilmore Girls fans. Yes. So seeing her again on our TVs is really great. But yeah, I'm just going to miss her and that that relationship because there really aren't that many female-female relationships on the show. I did think it was interesting that Zoe said she hadn't been hearing heart songs at all after her dad died. Mm -hmm. And there's so many different possible explanations for this. For me, I think the most likely one is just that, like, she's too overwhelmed by her own grief and she's blocking out everything else. Like, there are points in, in grief or depression where you just, you can't see past your own nose. And it's it's not a selfishness thing. It's just you are so stuck in your own reality and your own perspective because it's as intense as it is. Mm-hmm. So I think, like, I can sort of see that, like, a, a ward against a certain amount of empathy, a necessary self-involvement because you have to be to like move on Mm -hmm. but just one counterpoint to my own theory that I just laid out that isn't how it worked in season one because like when she got super overwhelmed in season one with all of her grief that's when it like literally burst out of her in song (laughs) in that boardroom 
That's true. I'm actually a little bit surprised that she didn't have kind of like a burst out moment when she did have her like breakdown in the mm-hmm. middle of the episode. But yeah, there there seems to be a little bit of, I don't know, there's no conclusive answers to like yeah. how the powers exactly work. So and I think that they definitely use that to their advantage. Yeah. I do think she was really overwhelmed by grief. I mean, it sounds like she rarely even left the house. So even being able to hear heart songs from other Mm -hmm. people would be pretty hard. Yeah, like nobody is around her except for her family. And they're all kind of going through the same thing. Yeah. I also thought it was interesting, like... It is a little weird that, like, we never get to see Zoe without her powers. I mean, from our perspective, right? Like, for her, it seems like a big thing. But I did find it interesting that the show telegraphed it in the season one finale. And I didn't think about that until I was reading your notes where you talked about, where you asked, like, why do you think the music died? Because, of course, the song they had at the funeral, the last heart song she's she's heard between these things was American Pie, which is, you know, the day the music died. Yes, which is hence why. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, I figured. But it, it made me think also about the connection between her musical powers and her dad and how strong that is. When he sings a heart song to her in that first episode, when he sings True Colors, like, that is the first moment when she accepts the powers as a gift and not just a burden. Mm hmm I could kind of see her thinking that now that he's gone, they might go away, that they might be tied to him. I mean, you could take that as like, like a lot of people believe, you know, energy of someone who has passed to like lingers and they're mm-hmm. still there. So it's like you could see that as like him still being there in some way. Or I know Mo at some point in the episode calls Zoe out and it's like, well, maybe you need to listen. Mm-hmm. They came back for a reason. And I do think that's, like, that has been Mo's role in a lot of ways. He's the one who's, like, I I just, I keep thinking about, like, in the very first episode when he asks Zoe what music she listens to and she says, you wouldn't have heard the band and then, like, puts in her headphones is listening to a podcast, right? Like, that's such a putting in your headphones to, like, block out the world kind of thing. And so, like, a lot of Mo's... A lot of what Mo does is to sort of forcibly open Zoe up to the world around her, sometimes for her own good, sometimes for other people's good. But, like, I always think that's really interesting. And, of course, Zoe's powers are not really gone. Not forever. Not even for, like, ten minutes of the episode. <laughs> <laughs> so as she starts to settle into work, we see the heart part of Heart Song work its way back into her life with George. I'm skipping over the Hello, Dolly. We'll come back to it when we talk about heart songs more generally. But I do think now is a good time for us to talk about George, played by the amazing Harvey Guillen. What did you think of his character? I mean, obviously, I was super happy to see Harvey in something again. I mean, we do have what we do in the shadows, which is also amazing. But as people might come to find out, we did have a magician's podcast before. It was our first podcast, and he was a pretty important character in the show, at least to us. (laughs) (laughs) Well, that's because we came from the books, right? Like, (laughs) It's true. And I actually felt like... I don't know, like his character reminded me of Benedict in some ways, like mm-hmm. maybe like a more emotionally advanced. In tune, yeah. Yeah, in tune. I liked you, you put in your notes that he reminded you of Olaf and I was like, oh, that's yeah. so insightful because I he reminded me of a friend of mine who I have previously said reminds me of Olaf. <laughs> I think it's like. A little bit the cadence of his voice, mm-hmm. but also just like when he is like asks her for a hug, and then he's please just love like, me. Uh, <laughs> oh man, I just it reminds me of when Olaf asks for for hugs. Yeah, warm hugs. He has that 
that vibe of somebody who like really wants to fit in and to be loved and and to give love too. Yeah. He seems very nurturing. Like immediately Zoe like leans into the hug and gives him like a much bigger hug. I loved it so much because like it's so hard to be the new guy. Like you really do just want to like fit in and get through things and like get past that awkward period. And for George, that is clearly at least doubled. Mm -hmm. Um, but I loved that he is also brave in that way. That right, like he told her how he felt, and he asked her for what he needed, and it turned out to be something that she needed and had been having trouble accepting from other people in her life. Like all the times that Simon in this episode was like, "I'm here for you," and she was like, "Run away." <laughs> what she needed, in some ways, was to for it to be mutual, right? Like to be able to help somebody and be helped back. Yeah, I do think a big reason. She's apprehensive towards Simon is also I feel like she kind of has made up in her mind about Max, but Mm -hmm. also just like he does come off very overbearing in this episode towards her. And I think, right, she is I I think he in some ways I felt like that overbearingness was also him like this is the thing that they've connected over. So he wants to restart their connection. And the only way he can think to do it is to be there for her about her dad. And while yes, that is a, you know, a great thing and something that she needs is somebody to be there for her because that is the source of their romantic connection. It's also very fraught for her, right? Like taking him up on that would mean things or would, I think seem to mean things to her at least. We can definitely get more into that when we we talk about relationships unfolding for Zoe later, but... Yes, back to George. Let's go back to George. His speech to Zoe really hit me right before the hug, when he, like, wells up telling her that little acts of kindness mean a lot to him. And it made me really want to know his story, like, on a deep level. Mm -hmm. Because... like we were kind of talking about before, there's sort of this idea that your your work and your the rest of your life should be separate in the American corporate world. Like, and in the tech world where I I work, there's all this talk about like how you should bring your whole self to work, but it, it's bullshit, right? Like, it's just a way of telling people to like give 110. percent It's not really about like bring your whole self. It's like, bring the self, bring everything that makes you productive, right? Yeah, <laughs> and. So I I really like the way that this show throws a wrench in that because Zoe's powers force her into taking an interest in people around her in a way she might not otherwise. And that means that she sees people like George, who she's never met and who she might not take an interest in otherwise, at least not for a while. She's sort of forced to see them as whole people and they end up seeing her that way too. So I really liked that she has to see him. I really like that he also, like, kind of imposes himself on her. Um, yeah. And that he makes a point of appreciating that act of kindness. And, like, I, I don't know if rewarding it is the right word, but, like, he makes a point of, like, this means something. Let me tell you that it means something. Yeah. And, I mean, like, he was obviously welling up when he says it. And it's just, like, I, I also really want to know, like, what's his story? Like, I feel like... I mean, I have a feeling it has something to do with maybe, like, depression or mm-hmm. suicidal, yes. like, tendencies. That's really what it made me think of, basically saying, you know, it's, like, the little acts of kindness that keep me going. Mm-hmm. So, of course, like, 100% hit me in the feels. I de- It was definitely one of the moments that made me cry a little bit. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, I want to see more there. And I do think 
Zoe, like, it is great that she has a power that forces her to to see other people. Yes. I, I want to talk about this some more, but I'm sort of going to pin it for when we go back to season one, because I think there's a, even more evidence there. But I do, like, I think there's some interesting stuff to say about about her being not just sort of a fairly closed off person, but also like working in the tech industry in San Francisco where there's like all this uh, gentrification and where a lot of the dynamic is that people who work in the tech industry are just kind of doing their own thing, like into themselves and not really paying attention or engaging with the communities that were already there that they have invaded. Mm -hmm. And I think there's a really interesting point to make about how her, her power sort of forces her into a different dynamic and it affects her professional life and her personal life and, you know, her everything. Yeah. But yeah, I'll, I'll save that for later. And, and back to George again. Um, <laughs> I know that you are really into astrology and star charts. This is like an understatement of the year. <laughs> so because I feel like there is such big energy coming off George, even in just a handful of lines, I wanted to ask if you have any thoughts about his sun, moon and rising signs. Well, I mean, like, I'm sure this comes from the fact that I put in my notes that I think Zoe is a Capricorn. <laughs> we'll talk about that probably at some point. But yeah, I, I feel like he's definitely a water sign. Yeah. Maybe a Pisces. Pisces always want to be liked, and they have, like, an affinity more for, like, creative pursuits. But they also do like to be liked to a fault, yeah. which he clearly exhibits. He's also very clearly an emotionally driven character. I'd say maybe a Taurus rising because he has some Taurus energy going on there. Tell me what you mean. I don't know Taurus as well as the other Earth signs. Well, Taurus is, for one, very driven. Um, but they also kind of have a tendency to be a pushover. Hmm. You can very easily kind of get them to concede things. But there are things that they're very stubborn about. But we don't know him well enough to see if that's true. Well, um, though, I think there's something to be said for that stubbornness maybe being behind him being a little bit more forceful about approaching Zoe, right? Like, true. That could be a stubborn, a stubbornness of sorts. I do want to say also he might have a fire moon because fire is also known to be very emotional. It just comes out in different ways. So I was thinking maybe a Leo moon. He definitely has some he does Leo seem energy. Very like <laughs> he's very like there and present and the way seemingly he extroverted. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's pretty extroverted. So I, I want to go out on a limb and say that he's got a little bit of everything going on in his, his chart. I like that. I like that. I think that's a really good, a very insightful first bit. Like, definitely, I got water sign off of, like, the sun sign. And I definitely see the Leo for sure. I'm glad he explained the Taurus because I think that makes sense, too. <laughs> yeah. All right. So that covers work in George. So our next little arc is this developing friendship developed friendship between mo max and simon was that a surprise for you i don't know if i would say surprising i i feel like i remember them maybe vibing a bit mm. at the funeral if i remember correctly i think max and simon were yeah yeah i mean max and simon i feel like always had the potential to be friends they both work in the tech world they have share common ground i mean like that's like i feel like always like my dream go-to situation in any love triangle is that they just like don't hate each other like i because mm. i hate that i hate when they're just like oh we just like just don't get along like that like jacob like oh yeah uh, edward, edward jacob kind of dynamic <laughs> 
where they're also two very different characters whereas like that's not the case with max and simon like i feel like they have a lot more in common and i feel like sports her (sighs) sports i feel like that choice to zoe is probably harder because they it's not like they're polar opposites or anything yeah so i i mean it's surprising in that it's not usual for a fictional media to portray two people that are in the any given love triangle as being friends, I feel like the Mo being friends with them doesn't surprise me either because, I mean, he really cares about Zoe. Mm-hmm. And so I feel like, you know, he kind of would want to know each of her perspective interests in that way. And Mo's nosy, right? Like, that's... <laughs> Mo's nosy, a little bit of meddlesome. So, like, maybe he went about it in a way that was like, oh, maybe I can, like, help Zoe figure out who to choose. <laughs> This sort of, speaking of that, do you think that Max and Simon are going to stay friends once Max starts dating Zoe, like, out in the world? I think they'll try. Mm -hmm. I don't think it'll be successful. But I think that they would actually try. Well, and I mean, I think with Max and Mo starting a business together, like, if I were Simon, I would definitely feel left out with everything that's happening and probably a little hurt. Like, especially the way that Zoe has gone about it, because... Even, I mean, even before this, right, she had coffee one-on-one with Max the morning she went back mm-hmm. to work. And then she, like, avoided Simon at work, basically. Um, yeah. So she hasn't talked to him since her dad died. She's presumably going to reject him romantically in favor of somebody who's become his friend. And then that friend is going into business with another friend. Like, that's a lot to handle. And I can see him getting really upset and trying to hold it in. But, of course, Zoe's going to see it anyway. <laughs> That's true. And he also is the only one not aware of her magical powers at this point. Yeah, I I actually had to go back and confirm that. I was like, I'm pretty sure he doesn't know. But like, (laughs) how's that gonna work? I kind of thought that was interesting, though, that they didn't bring back up the fact that that Max knew about it. Mm -hmm. Well, I mean, they sort of do because of the gift he gives her. But Oh, it's true, true. I do think that, you know, I actually think they will be eventually able to stay friends, but I think there's going to be tension in in those pieces, right? Like, I think they're setting up this house of cards that's where Simon is going to feel really left out, and at some point it's going to be a, a sort of mild explosion. And I think that that will be, I, my hope is that, or like one possible way out of that is what you said it's to sort of let simon in on the secret that the rest of them know that sort of gives them some closeness that isn't just around i mean it's still around zoe but it's not around her dad dying or around romantic interest she's also going to have to be forced to work with him a little Mm -hmm. bit more considering she is now his boss oh yeah that's also a good excuse for not dating him but (laughs) <laughs> it is that's true. She could definitely come at him with that excuse, although I do think it would be an excuse. Yes, I um, hope she doesn't. I hope she's honest with him. I mean, like I just think Simon and Zoe and I've always thought this even in in season 1 that like I don't think that like romantically they would pan out because I don't think they have enough yeah. in common. They're only like factor which she only knew about because of her power is the fact that his father died and hers was going to die but has now died and i feel like that's just too hard yeah for her yeah i think you're right well and too hard in general to like grief can be a basis for a romantic relationship shared grief it's not good though but no i don't i I don't think it (laughs) 
I think it blows up spectacularly far more often than it works out. Like the one place where I have felt like it's a good cement for a romantic relationship is for Peta and Katniss in the Hunger Games. Because they have that shared trauma. Yeah, but I think it's also, it's so much more, right? Like it's not a singular grief. It's yeah. a type of experience that so few people have, right? Like it, there's there's no way to get around that it's such a huge part of their lives and thing that sort of looms over it that like it, it gives them a lot of shorthand that they couldn't have with other people. Yeah. And also to though Zoe and Simon's grief at the end of the day is also different mm-hmm. because he lost his father to something completely yes. different. Yes. Um, so like there's a lot going on there, but yeah, starting a relationship based around grief. Um, I, I mean, I've kind of been there a little bit different. Um, one of my ex-boyfriends, like, lost his brother, mm-hmm. like, about a couple days into us dating. And it was very hard on our relationship yeah. um, because I had to be there emotionally for him in a way that I don't think I was ready for. Mm-hmm. It definitely makes me think of that. So that's probably another reason why, like, I can't see them together. I love Simon, though. i would love to see him be happy i think if anything like they should introduce another love interest for him that would be really good yes someone who there can be some bond with i mean i think there's also always the possibility that his ex is her name jessica jessica i think so yeah that she might come back that they might try to work things out i don't know that that's great just because of how they ended i also from what i Remember, they were together for a really, really long time. And I think that their relationship was starting to stale anyways. Yeah. And it was kind of one of those, well, let's get married. and Well, we're also like we've been we're together for so long. This is the next step, right? This is what we do. Yeah, exactly. So, like, I don't know if that could ever happen. I feel like it would have to be a new relationship. Yeah. Be interesting to see what happens. Maybe he also just needs to be alone for a little bit. Actually, yes. <laughs> Simon and therapy. This is my new OTP. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, so I think we have been already making our way toward Zoe and Max and talking about ships and talking about how their relationship might affect other people. But I think it's worth just asking, how do you feel about them getting together? Because I know you're not a huge fan of Friends to Lovers. I'm not. They are a very special case. I, f- I say they're probably one of the only friends to lovers like scenarios that I've ever actually been a fan of. And there were definitely moments in season one where I was just like, fuck Max. But I feel like he's very easy to forgive in that he does truly care about her. Like he is okay at least from what we can tell, being just friends with her. I think mm. the whole, I mean, the thing is, is that she was keeping the power from him. Yeah. And I don't know, like, just like that betrayal of honesty. I think that's why he was being kind of a dick to her for a little bit. Because, like, well, and when she told she, him, like, it's a hard thing to believe in any context, but telling him after she rejects him, I also might think it was a bullshit excuse and a very bad one. <laughs> yeah. And I do think, like, a reason that I like them as a friends to lovers trope is that it's not like one of those situations where they've been best friends their entire fucking life Mm -hmm. like they've only known each other for like four or five years and i feel like contextually he hasn't been in love with her the entire time i think it's something that he very recently has figured out i Um, i agree with that and i think the like the song that they chose to 
for him to come out about that, I mean, yeah. was very indicative of that. Like, that's not, it, it's I Think I Love You. It's also by the Partridge family, which is a whole other weird thing. But, like, <laughs> it did kind of feel like he was coming to that realization. Like, maybe he'd had a little bit of a crush, but he was like, eh, this is not a good idea, whatever. Yeah, I think it's her having genuine feelings for Simon and acting on mm-hmm. those that made him realize that, you know, maybe I do have yeah. feelings for her. And I think the thing that's messed up about it is that she knew about them and then proceeded to push him away yeah. to protect herself, obviously, um, and their friendship, which is a very, like, fine thing in in general, like, if you want to preserve a friendship. Yeah. But it's just the whole way she went about it and, like, that that was bad. But I do, like like them together because I do feel like he genuinely cares about her. He he just knows her really well. Yeah. Like the way that he went about um dealing with her grief and giving her space. Yes. Um he very clearly knew exactly how to do that. I think he um, started and then they the just, text chain too. <laughs> probably. <laughs> and they just have that like lovely banter that I'm a huge fan of. Yeah. And they've always had that since like yeah. the first episode. So we we should talk about ship names. We talked about some yesterday. Not we ruled out Moe. <laughs> we ruled out Zax. You said you've heard Zomax, which I like, but it sounds like an antidepressant. Yes. It does. I thought of another one. Bear with me. It takes a little explaining. So if we just if we take the positions of letters in their names and alternate, then we can have Moxie. I don't know if that's generally a thing that people do with ship names. Who the fuck cares? We can make our own. <laughs> I mean it's it's cool. But it would be hard to explain every single time even about it. <laughs> All right. Well, Moxie Zomax. <laughs> we'll, we'll, we'll feel our way through. <laughs> Which means I will try to convince Danny for an entire season at least. Um, so, of course, the other thing about TV love triangles is that they almost never resolve quickly. And you said you read something about why... Austin Winsberg chose to resolve this one quickly. Do you want to talk about that? Yeah, so in the interview, which was a post first episode of the season interview that he gave, he was saying that like it's just not really realistic mm. because they are all adults. They're he, whole he ass said adults. That, you know, they're <laughs> whole ass adults. Um, and at that age, you generally know what you want. Mm. And I think, like, like she said to Max, like, she's had a lot of time to think yeah. about it. So I think, I mean, it doesn't bode well that she chose Max right off the bat for, mm-hmm. in, like, a, a TV standpoint, because they could totally pull the rug on us at some point. Yeah. But, I mean, that's not always the case. Like, there's, there might be stuff that, like, tests their relationship later on, but they might be a pairing that stays together the whole time. I mean, that's not completely unheard of, but it is very rare. yeah. And to be honest, right, like, I think they're going to, I think there's no way they're not going to have relationship difficulties, especially given the um, unequal dynamic of her being able to hear what he's feeling and him not being able to hear that with her. There's that. And then there's also the fact that he's technically unemployed. I feel like that's usually a big uh, problem sometimes for relationships if they're not like 100% like pulling their weight. He is if they about decide to start to, like, a business, though. I feel like that's... Yeah, well, that will probably be yeah. successful. But there is potential that that could... Like, even that venture could get in the way because there's yeah. always so many things you need to do in order to get a business going. And also, he sort of brought up that, like, 
Mo was Zoe's friend first, and mm-hmm. you know, you uh, even though Zoe want like is cool with them being friends and probably wants them to be friends, he's also like Mo is also this person who she has a very Zoe has a very special relationship with, and having her like her life mingle like that again, like I think Zoe kind of felt like she fit naturally into the whole like compartmentalize your life into different things. So I can see that just being a hard adjustment for her to see them working. I think the thing that was hard for Zoe is just the fact that no one had told her like Mo had clearly hung out with her a couple times. So at that point, like they were already hanging out. So the fact that he didn't say something to Zoe, I think is where the hurt and shock comes from. But I don't think she minds all that much because, I mean, they are, like, all adults. And I think that's something that I really appreciate in the show is that... There's no middle school drama. Regardless of this (laughs) crazy-ass, like, magical premise, they still act like adults at the end of the day. I really like that. Um, But, yeah, in the interview, though, he just said that, like, it's just not really realistic or, like, an adult thing. To generally actually have love triangles in real life. Well, I hope the network lets him get away with it. (laughs) Honestly. All right. So I think that's, I think we can close out Zoe and Max for now. Obviously, there'll be plenty more to discuss as the season goes on, which takes us to the last thing I wanted to discuss in this episode, which is the the testimonials. And Mm -hmm. that like definitely hit me in the gut because my dad is losing his vocal acuity to... I I sort of looked it up because I thought I was right about this, but I wasn't positive. So um, Mitch had PSP and um, my dad has MSA. They are both under the atypical Parkinson's umbrella along with Lewy body Parkinson's with Lewy bodies, right? Like I've told you, I told you before, like there's differences, but there are a lot of similarities. And like, for me, one of the hardest things like on a personal level of, his illness, because it's mostly his illness and, like, his stuff to deal with. Um, But the thing that's been hardest for me is that, is, like, him losing his voice. Because he and I used to talk all the time, like, two or three 15-minute conversations throughout the day. And we still talk, but it's, it's harder both for him to speak and for me to understand him. And that's especially been true during the pandemic when, like, our only options are the phone or Zoom uh, most of the mm-hmm. time, because um, I haven't been able to see him in person as much as I would like. Um, and I actually recently started looking, because I, I, I have a handful of times that I've recorded my dad speaking from before he got his diagnosis. Um, so once in grad school, my dad's a really great storyteller. Um, and so once in my MA program, we had an assignment that was to, we were doing this like oral history or this like oral culture assignment. And mm-hmm. so we were, we had to get somebody to tell us a story and then sort of analyze it using sort of standard oral storytelling techniques that are, that exist in oral cultures. Um, so I have mm-hmm. a recording of him telling me the story about going to the Republican convention to protest in 1972 <laughs> And we have this recording from his wedding. And so recently I was just like, you know what? I I need to know where all these things are. I need to find them all and like have them somewhere where they're easily accessible. And 
it, it was sort of interesting because I've also like since his diagnosis, I started saving his voicemails in like mid 2018 when I realized that like his voice going was going to be a part of it. So I've thought a lot mm-hmm. about wanting those artifacts and like wanting to be able to preserve his voice. But I, I never occurred to me. It never was something that I thought about that like it might be really hard to hear him struggle to talk after he passes because it yeah. is also a reminder of this thing that took him from us, <laughs> hasn't taken him from us yeah. yet, that will, that, you know, time when you're talking about the future and the past. Mm-hmm. So, I, like, that was one that really hit me. And I, I talked to him briefly before we got on uh, about this, because he said he wa- he and my stepmother watched the episode last night. He's, he's so funny. He was like, I wasn't really very moved by it, but Amy was. <laughs> Amy's my stepmother. <laughs> Mm-hmm. I never really know how to take that, like how much of it is denial or whatever, and how much is just like how he, whatever his other ways of handling it, like he's not too upset by it. But there's so many different symptoms. And again, they like it, for both MSA and PSP, the progressions are different for different people. And also mm-hmm. just like what matters to you and what like affects you more on a personal emotional level about like your symptoms is going to be different from person to person. But yeah, my dad's voice is like, I don't think I realized how big a part of my life it was and how important just that sort of, I mean, I don't know if you'd call a voice an object, that tool, I guess, mm-hmm. was until it started deteriorating. Mm-hmm. And I think, I mean, I think it's important to him too, but he says he's unmoved. How has he felt about the show, like, the first season? Um, yeah, I mean, he was the one who, or I'd started watching, we, we started watching it separately, but he, you know, he'd bring it up mm-hmm. to me. He'd be like, there's this show, and it's about this person who has a neurological disorder. I think he mostly talks about it in, he sticks to the sort of fact level, right? Like, here's what's happening. It's interesting and to see this portrayed. And I think for him, that's helpful, like seeing something similar to what he's going through just be there. Whether Mm -hmm. or not there's like a serious emotional resonance, I think it probably makes him feel less alone. And I think he's glad there's like awareness around it from the show. Yeah. Okay. So the other thing I wanted to mention around this was that I really liked David's reaction because I feel like Zoe and Maggie are both, they are very in their feelings and in a like withdrawing way. And so it was nice to see somebody whose reaction is different, right? Like I love that what he said was he was like, I couldn't help myself. I had to see it. Yeah. And you could tell just from the very moment that they even like brought it up that there was these things that he was just like, oh my God, like, Mm -hmm. yes. I mean, I, I feel like he knows, but like he, he, can't afford to to go into his grief in the same way for when he has to go to work to support his family since his wife is clearly not working she makes he's probably on paternity leave right now but you know he will eventually have to it sounded like he's a lawyer right just also from his appearance yeah yeah he also he just needs to be there for his family like he knows that he cannot like throw himself away over it and I think he, like, I feel like he just knows that, like, that's just not what his dad would want. I do feel like it's going to hit him at some point. But I think you're right that, like, he's partly yeah. having a delayed reaction because he knows other people need him. Like, that is such a common thing. Yeah. So I think this is a good moment for us to move into our heart song segment. So in this in this episode, we got four heart songs and then, like, one bonus song, which is the, the sort of morning song that Mo sings to Zoe to wake wake her up for her first day back at work those songs were in order of appearance 
uh, Rise Up by uh, Andra Day. Is it Andra or Andra? Do you know? I don't know. That's the one that most sings. Probably Andra? That's what what I thought. Um, That's the one that most sings at the very beginning. Hello, Dolly, from the musical by the same name. Um, Are You Gonna Be My Girl by Jet. Don't Cry Out Loud by Melissa Manchester. And Carry On by Fun. So I thought I'd start by asking which of the heart songs and associated dance numbers was your favorite? So I actually literally only knew two of the songs that were being used Uh in this episode. (laughs) Um, So there's a little bit of that going into the choice, but I... it's really hard choice for me between the Are You Gonna Be My Girl by Jet for mm-hmm. obvious reasons, which is funny because I actually fucking hate <laughs> that song. Like, I think it's just such an awful song, but I liked the yeah. way that they went about it. But I think I have to go with Carry On by Fun. It, it kind of made me think a little bit of, like, the, the final number last season with everyone singing. And I just, I think it's a really good song anyways, and it just it fits so well for the scene and what's going on also though like andrew leads he plays david that, that oh my god note that he pulls <laughs> off i was like what boy has a good falsetto <laughs> i did not expect that <laughs> yeah i was like did not expect that i mean the lead singer of fun is kind of hard yeah, to yeah. replicate in general yeah. well and it was interesting the way they did it right like they didn't try to do it as a straight cover it was much more no um those were the ones i chose too like i have a basically a tie between those for Are You Gonna Be My Girl, I, the whole scene was just, like, so fun and intense. <laughs> Them, like, jumping on the couches and the frenetic camera movements. And I loved, like, when there's that line about her brown hair and she just, like, looks at her red hair. Yeah. You watched before I did. I remember you texting me that it felt like the cast really gave their all and had been, like, cooped up. And this was their, we've just, we're just out of quarantine energy. Yeah. And I don't know if this is the song you were talking about, but it's definitely the one that gave me that, this vibe the most. (laughs) Absolutely. They had the craziest looks in their eyes. And I I think, like, it really is in the energy of everyone. I just feel like mm-hmm. even in, like, the huge number, um, like, Hello, Dolly, like, it felt like there was so much energy that they They're all, all just, like, threw into it. <laughs> Constantly. <laughs> yeah. Um, I felt like one, even the choreography was definitely there, like, the way that they were performing. But in that number, especially, both um, Skylar Aston and... Uh, John Clarence Stewart. Yes. Um, both of them do some, like, impressive vocal things. Like, I, there's this one part of that song where Skylar Aston's vibrato is just crazy. I mean, anyone who's seen Pitch Perfect knows already that he can sing. And also anyone that watched Crazy Ex-Girlfriend knows that he can sing. So not too much of a surprise. I do I do love it. Like, I just, like, like how different both of their performing styles are and it very much showcases in in that song (laughs) but yeah the the crazy dance moves i liked it and i liked how casually they like spun that line towards the end Uh are you gonna be my girl it's hard to do and then but like then it like went back into it for like a second (laughs) um okay so that one and then carry on I mean, like you said, it's like a big important moment for the family, and I felt like that was a really great song for it. I also really noticed the choreography in that scene, because it was very theatrical, right? Like, they kept freezing in place for different parts. It reminded me of the number that I really liked in season one, the the Bastille Marshmallow Happy. Which is kind of a similar song. Because they also had that, like, very much, like... 
Yeah, in in ways, it's a little bit similar. But I I felt like it also mirrored for me, like, the experience of moving on or moving through grief in the way that, like, you have those fits and starts, right? Like, it's not all at once. And so something about that choreography, like, that really hit me that they were, like, starting and talking about carrying on and then stopping, right? Like, so they're literally not carrying on in those moments where they're frozen. So uh, big props to Mandy Moore, who is the choreographer, for that one. Which is not... The Mandy Moore. Really? I thought it was the Mandy Moore. Yeah. I only know because, like, I was, like, shook when I saw the name Mandy Moore and looked into it. And then That's I was like, so wait, weird, it's not it even... Makes... It would make sense for that Mandy Moore. <laughs> yeah, because she's also a choreographer and well, a shit. singer Well, shit. Props and to an other Mandy Moore for that. <laughs> um, okay. Uh, so I also wanted to talk about the song choices more generally, so we'll get through the other ones. Um, I noticed when I started re-watching season one that Mo is always singing a song that is about the morning when he gets up. Like, it's this on-the-nose thing that he does, which, you know, makes sense. But the fact that they were talking about waking up or the morning in the lyrics, I just, I found it really funny. And especially because it is, right, like, the heart songs are also kind of on the nose, Right, they are an expression of whatever mm-hmm. is going on inside, and so I, I like to think of it as yeah. Mo. Like, what's going on in the inside of Mo is he's getting up. Mm-hmm. Um, and then "Don't Cry Out Loud" was such a perfect choice for George. I didn't know that song beforehand. One of the things that Linear, my husband, has commented on—he's a music human—is that like there aren't really new songs in this show. Right, some of the the newest songs are like early twenty tens, twenty teens, whatever. They've had a couple, like a uh, "Sucker" by the Jonas Brothers was used, and same with "Jealous" by Nick Jonas were used last season. It's very rare, and then "Happier" by Bastille only came out. Yeah, like, but uh, I do like that it's ago. not, and I like that it's not like all zeitgeisty songs, right? Like you are going to learn some new music from this, especially if you're not like Gen X. <laughs> <laughs> Um, and I think, like, this was one of those cases where it just felt like, oh, this is just such a, like, it's the perfect choice for this character, not just in terms of, like, what the song is about, but in terms of how Harvey can sing it and what the sort of mm-hmm. emotional range is connect- and emotional energy is related to the, like, emotional energy that this person exudes. Yes, and I also love the juxtaposition of, like, the song mm-hmm. just stopping at a halt, her freaking out, and he's just sitting at like, his desk, the like, thing what? that makes her boil <laughs> over and, like, explode her emotions all over everything is somebody else being like, I have to keep my emotions in. <laughs> yeah. And, yeah, I mean, it made me really excited to see their friendship, right? Like, they are going to develop a friendship. I am here yeah. for it. I would like to watch it. Um, and yeah, I think we've talked about George enough, so I'll probably leave it there. So that leaves us with Hello, Dolly. What did you think of that choice? I mean, I thought it was a fun number. I've literally never heard the song in my entire life. Um, as you know, but I guess I should say I'm not huge into like musicals. Like I do like 
some really classic ones, you know, you know, Rent and... When you say classic ones, you mean different things than what, than what older people say when they mean classic yes, ones. Yes, I mean, like, like, cult classic ones, I guess, you know, things that have probably been made into a movie or, or a production <laughs> on NBC. <laughs> I am liked. But yeah, I'm not huge into musicals, so I was not familiar with it. It is from a It is, which was made into a film correct? with Barbara Streisand, which was directed by Gene Kelly. It's funny because when I think Hello, Dolly, I immediately was like, is it Dolly Parton? No, no. Clearly not. Um, and it's interesting because <laughs> I normally do, f- like, there's a lot of classical musicals that I know about. Some because I'm interested, like, I- I've just been interested in them, but also, like, my stepdad is a film professor, and so I sort of grew up with a lot of that, like, golden age of Hollywood um, mm. stuff, <laughs> all those, like, movies and whatever. Mm-hmm. But I'm not really that familiar with Hello, Dolly. Like, I, I knew the song roughly, but, and I, you know, I'm sure I've seen it, like, once, but it just wasn't really something, it wasn't one of the ones that I, like, latched onto the way I did was, like, uh, Meet Me in St. Louis or uh, My Fair Lady. Like, those are the ones that I, like, really got into. So Hello, Hello Dolly is, like, one of these rare cases where it's a musical I don't know. So... In the style of a Virgo. (laughs) I looked it up. (laughs) And according to Wikipedia, it is a romantic Mm -hmm. comedy about a matchmaker named Dolly who is charged with finding a match for a wealthy curmudgeon named, I think, Horace, and decides that instead she's going to marry him or try to because I guess he's rich. So the title number, Hello, Dolly, is played on her triumphant return to a restaurant. I I couldn't really get a good sense from Wikipedia of what the restaurant relationship was. But I thought it was really interesting because, of course, like, Zoe does not feel triumphant in her return to work, right? Like, she feels heartbroken Uh and overwhelmed and, like, everything is too much. And so here I think, like, the choreo is doing a lot to – a lot of work again to show that contrast. In the original, Dolly is happily dancing along with everybody as they welcome her back and she's thrilled. There's a lot of the same moves in this version, which you could probably guess (laughs) – But Zoe is Mm -hmm. extremely reluctant to be part of it. Like, she's being dragged into it, and she's not really happy about it. She's just itching for it to end. And I thought that was really effective um, just as as a whole musical number. Yeah, I know. Like, everyone is so welcome to have her back. Like, I feel like even Leaf is like, this yeah. has been too much without you here. And, <laughs> I mean, he, he made some very interesting changes to their standing to desk. their workroom <laughs> floor. So the standing desk, I could never do that. I don't <laughs> The dogs, too. Like, what the, what the fuck uh. is with the dogs? I mean, I welcome <laughs> the dogs, but... <laughs> uh. Well, on that note, I mean, that's basically all I have written for Heart Songs. Was there anything else you wanted to talk about in the music, or should we move on to final thoughts? I think that's pretty much about it. All right, Yeah, I think we covered it. That makes it final thoughts time. Watching this the first time, I I really enjoyed it. Like, I just, I loved it, and I was just so happy to have everything back. I think overall it was a good return to the series. But watching it the second time, I was struck by just how much story they packed into this one episode. Like, as I was trying to write down my plot arcs, it was like, oh, I've got 10 things written down. I got to condense this. And a lot of that is setting things up, right? It's the start of a new season. That's always sort of what it is. But it also means that there's some arcs that I think are really important that we didn't get a chance to explore in that first episode at all. And for me, the biggest one was Simon. Like, I just, aside from worrying about Zoe and wondering where the relationship might be going, I don't really know what's going on with him. Like, he has, outside of the actual number that he sings, he has, like, five lines 
and half of them are, I'm here for you if you need it. Yeah, he was very much on the sidelines yeah, of yeah. this episode. So I think, like, I really I really enjoyed this and found it to be a very entertaining episode. Um, but I hope he's not, like, going to be totally sidelined. I think it's more of because we're supposed to feel and, and be there on Zoe's side of things. And since Zoe is actively kind of pushing him away at the moment, yeah, I think and that's that makes why. sense. It just It was one of those things where, like, when I watched it the second time, I was like, oh... I feel I feel that this is missing, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Especially because he's such a huge presence throughout all of season exactly. 1. Exactly. Through all of season 1, no matter like what is going on with her, you always see a little bit of him. So it it, it is a big contrast. What about what about you? What are your final thoughts for this premiere? I feel like um a very very similar it was something that I also was like, okay, like why Simon not in this as much and and like I had come to that conclusion myself that he it's because Zoe is actively avoiding him I love Tobin so I love all of his moments in the episode he's just so sassy and like he's just the actor is just so good at delivering (laughs) his lines and his facial reactions to things that it's just it's great and I just also just love characters like that (laughs) Um, you like asshole characters I do like asshole characters, kind of. I mean, they're not all assholes. And he's not. They're usually he's got a like heart of gold, right? They're usually secretly like, yeah, I have like a heart of gold. <laughs> I liked pretty much everything that happened in the episode. It, it kind of just more like brought about things that I like am kind of like wanting mm-hmm. for future episodes. Like I noticed that there's a lot of women working for the company that appear in the musical yeah. number, and yet we've never met any of yeah. them. So it would be really nice to to kind of see that, especially now that Zoe's going to be a boss, a big mm-hmm. boss. Like maybe some more working relationships with women. Well, and what happened to to Jean's rival on the fourth floor? Jones. Jones. Uh, sorry, she yes. was fired. Oh, she was fired. She okay. was fired. Ah, that's too bad. I kind of would have like I would have liked to see the dynamic between her and Zoe at some point. Was the the whole like CEO of Spark Point getting arrested was that something they went into? I feel like in season one, at I all? think there was like a hint about it, but not not much. It was probably something they threw in for like a to get Joan to be CEO and and all of that. We have to finish our rewatch of season one. Yes, we do. We really do. Um, like it's like I remember big big plot points but the little specifics i know and you always you have like such a great memory it's it's weird with you not constantly correcting me on tiny things <laughs> i feel like i still have a very good memory for it for someone who's literally only watched yeah, it through like once. once so so yeah there's a couple other small things that i just wanted to mention like stray observations um one yeah. was in our trailer you talked about like them filming during covid and oh my god, it was so obvious anytime they were outside <laughs> because they always had like one or two groups of extras carefully spaced apart <laughs> and like nobody in the background other than that. Yeah, versus whereas last season yeah. there was always just a bunch of people. Dogs in the randomly in the park and yeah. Mm-hmm. So that was one thing I noticed was just like that little concern like Oh, you had to go out and hire extras, like specifically just a few <laughs> for this. Um also, just, like, thinking in general about – I kind of wanted to re- reiterate what I mentioned about the sort of main message of this episode, because I think it is a big mm-hmm. thread through the series in general, obviously, in season one. But, that like, here, some I feel like it was, like, sometimes when you feel like you can't handle anything, the only way out is to h- handle things anyway, is to, like, 
go through, go forward, and to mm-hmm. face your feelings. And the other half of that is, I think, the thing that in some ways helped Zoe most in the episode was being able to help somebody else in George. Yeah, and honestly, like, that just reminds me of the the line that I feel like actually hit me the most in the episode, which is when Zoe says, I don't know how to exist in mm. the world anymore. Like, I've felt that on, on a few occasions. Yeah. So it's like, for me, like, that, that hit really hard. And um, I know it's different, but, like, I really said that a lot, I feel like, when The Magicians ended. Yeah. Because it was no, truly like losing a friend. And it took me so long to grieve it and feel okay again. So it's like, I'm glad that I've been able to do other podcasts since. Yeah. But, like, it's still something that you never forget I feel your like first. I'm getting over. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> there were a couple lines that really struck me, too. Um, one was that I feel like this was a line that came out of COVID. Is it morning because we don't really understand the concept of time anymore? David talking about being a new parent. And uh, Mitch in one of the videos says, I know there's no roadmap for moving on, but essentially you have to move on. And that was the one that kind of like tied that theme together. Yeah. And then this is just to throw in because I wrote it down and it's fun. It's cute that you shop at Etsy. I love her big ass glasses that she puts on afterwards. (laughs) They're so big. I wonder if they're going to write COVID in. It doesn't seem like they're going to. No, he's talked about not wanting to do it. Austin oh, okay, Lindsberg okay. has. Um, I didn't read like a whole bunch about it, but I saw a couple like headlines and blurbs. So many shows have been writing it in, and like I can see why it's very much easier to explain the reason there's not a whole bunch of people in the background and things like that. Yeah. And some shows are very much like okay, like it's tied to like the real world and stuff. But I'm glad that that they decided not to like I because I feel like it's just such a happy departure yeah kind of show and I think it's also right like so much of the show and you know Austin Winsberg talked about this in his interviews about season one right like his I think it was his father who had PSP so much of this is based around his own experience obviously not the you know magical musical powers but right like his experience of going through that with his father and of grieving his father. And I think you can try to imagine your way into what that would be like right now. But yeah, I know my experience is different from from his and from Zoe's, right? Like, <laughs> I have to constantly make these sort of calculations and negotiations around risk in a way, you know, to see my dad in a way that I wouldn't have to without COVID and that I didn't have to before. And so... And similarly, right, like, you feel a lot of isolation and grief no matter what, but there's going to be a difference between the isolation you feel purely because of grief and then that compounded by COVID. And I just don't, I appreciate that he's keeping it authentic to his, he's keeping it to his experience in that way, because I think that experience creates so much authenticity in the show. And I appreciate getting like that part of it and I think if he tried to imagine his way into what that would look like with COVID it would feel less authentic yeah I mean like there would be like I guess the ability to add in like kind of like how you are with your uh your father like how hard it is to like not be able to yeah but I think it's I think it would be hard for him since the father yeah since her father has already passed like they don't I feel like it 
like it's easier for them to not have to write yeah. something in like and that. like then what you're doing is you're I guess separating Maggie and uh, her kids and I don't know mm-hmm. I I just don't feel like I feel it's a level of complication that I don't think is necessary to make the show yeah great and good at what it's doing um and so if it's not necessary yeah i feel like the only other thing i want to talk about which i realized that we didn't touch on too much is like how did you feel about how when mo like completely calls out zoe and kind of like checks her on her privilege i think it was good i mean i think zoe needs that Mm mm-hmm And again, right, like, for me, that was, I I talked about this being, like, when you feel like you can't face anything, you have to face it anyway. In some way, that is Mo pushing her in that direction. Yeah, and I did really love that Mo, like, kind of followed it up with, like, I don't want to be giving you, like, this tough love. Yeah. Like, you need it. I feel like that's also, that's very much our friendship, right? Like, (laughs) we we can give each other tough love. And so, I don't know, I like seeing that in a friendship on TV. It's true. We do give each other a lot of tough love. (laughs) So on that mostly note, roasting. <laughs> I'm actually surprised you didn't call out the fact that in my notes I I put a my thirst note. Uh, we have plenty else to talk about. And <laughs> on that note, I think we've come to the end of our episode. So listeners, if you exist, thank you for joining us. If you like what you heard, please subscribe and slap a five star rating on Apple Podcasts to help other people find the show. And we'll see you next week for episode two hundred two. Bye. Bye. If you're lost and alone, or you're sinking like a stone, carry on. May I pass me the sound of your feet upon the ground.